Now we're good. Are we on? We are on. We're live. I'm ill-prepared. Uh, that's Mike Gebert. He is the man who runs Fooditor. Just put out a book. We'll talk about that. In the back seat is Brendan, the proprietor of Big Guy Sausage Stand here in scenic Berwyn, right on Roosevelt Road. I'm going to get the podcast ready right here. Uh, the podcast, the live stream, everything, everything you're enjoying right now is brought to you by Boost Mobile. The phone we're doing the Facebook Live on is a Samsung Galaxy S8 phone that I run on the Boost Mobile network. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van Okay, that's Mike. That's Brendan. Brendan, you are the proprietor. You make magnificent sausage confections, uh, treats, delights, food. What are we about to eat tonight? All right, what do we have for you? We have um, the Rudolph sausage, which the is Rudolph a, sausage, a venison pork beef sausage. We kind of put a little beef and pork to cut some of that gaminess. It actually has mulled wine ground with it, some fresh thyme, blueberries, and then we top it with fresh caramelized thyme and blueberries. Caramelized onions and uh, a goat cheese, a whipped goat cheese, yeah. Now, I, I know about this place because of Mike. Mike, through Fooditor, uh, you've written about this place multiple times. It is in your uh, Fooditor guide, the new guide for 2018. Right, uh, for 2018. What do you like about this place? You know, there's a million hot dog stands all over the city and the suburbs, but every once in a while, there's the one that goes further, that tries more interesting things and just aims for excellence in a lot of ways. Hot Dog was one. And to me, the best heir to uh, you know, Hot Dogs is this place right here in Berwyn, Big Guy Sausage Stand. <laughs> uh, Brendan O'Connor, the proprietor, has, has stated. You know, he does, uh, they make their own sausages. Uh, do a lot of different styles of them and, you know, change them monthly depending on themes for the month. In November, he did a... Um, um Turducken. Turducken th- <laughs> Thanksgiving theme sausage. And now it's December, so we have the Rudolph, the reindeer sausage. And the sign out front says what, Brendan? Uh, which one? Oh, the oh the marquee? Yeah. Uh, ho, ho, yum. Uh, Rudolph won't be guiding any slaves this year. Something <laughs> along those lines. Something really going to yeah. send me to hell that much faster. <laughs> you know? It's funny you should say it like that. Mike Gebert, uh, as we were trading emails about where to go and when to go, he said, yeah, we'll try the reindeer sausage because we're all going to hell. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I believe we said on our, when we posted on Facebook, he said, we just made it from the naughty list to the shit list. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so can we try this? Now, Brendan, you're not eating anything. You just... I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm burgered out. I actually had a burger about an hour. <laughs> okay, so you plied us, plied us with food. Uh, this is going to be challenging to eat in the car. To say nothing of eating it on camera. Um, so there's a pastry bag filled with goat cheese. They're piping it into our French roll here. I don't, this is not going to be pretty. Here we go. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm getting the blueberry. Getting that sweetness in there. I have actually had reindeer before. And this is really good reindeer. Holy crud. And the onions and the, the taste of the venison. 
This is delicious. Brendan, this is a minor masterpiece. Thank you. Yeah, that, that one's got, I mean, we don't put too much on it. I mean, it only has two ingredients on top. It has mm-hmm. a lot more ingredients in it than on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I we definitely cheat a little bit with the pork, um, pork and beef to kind of cut the gaminess and I think make the venison a little tastier personally. But, but you need that for sausage anyway because yeah, you need mm-hmm. you need the right meat to fat ratio. When people try to make a lean sausage, yeah, all they do is make a dry sausage because it doesn't mm-hmm. have. Well, I, I don't even think a sausage is a sausage without pork. Honestly, it's <laughs> not. Yeah, I mean, so pork fat is essential to get mm-hmm. that that right texture. Yeah. All right, so what do you do for your fries? Uh, they're just uh, twice cooked, but uh, we refrigerate them overnight. That's our trick. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about why twice cooking is essential to fries. Uh, well, it, it pulls that, that first um, bit of moisture out of the potato. Um, and it doesn't crisp them up or anything like that. It just cooks them, pulls some of that water out. And then if you try and then just fry again, which is what the majority of everybody who does fresh cut fries does, is they just they'll blanch them, let them rest for a couple minutes, and then hard fry them. Um, that's the other thing is you're not cooking at a high heat. You're cooking the first fries at uh, 275 and the second fries at 350. But um, it just won't, it won't be as crispy. Something about, I don't know what the magic is, but when you refrigerate them overnight or um, it, the, frying them the next day, it, it just makes them crispier. I imagine it, it pulls more water out over overnight, but it, we, we played around a lot and we cannot, you have to, uh, you have to refrigerate them overnight. Well, you know, we were talking about Edzo's inside, and he does the same thing. You know, he'll do the fries after the shift the one day and then hold them till the next mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. to fry them that second time. Yeah. They're still good. <laughs> my food, my mouth is stuffed with reindeer sausage. <laughs> what I like about this place, if you live in the west suburbs, like off of 290, this is a really quick on and off the expressway. So if you're looking for something you can't find anywhere else, like this reindeer sausage, <laughs> I mean it's so easy to get to. Is if you're like if you work downtown, live in the western suburbs, just jump off, bring bring sausage home for the family. Two ninety in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so super it, easy. It was a uh, Parkies back in the day, right? Yeah, Parkies being a sort of Oak Park, Berwyn area mini chain, probably four or five at the height. I don't know. I think there was. A- only two. Only two? Okay. Yeah. Um, but something a lot of people in this area I know grew up with. So you're in kind of a classic uh, vintage hot dog stand building. There's um, these? a lot of seasoning. Sure, thank you. <laughs> this building is well seasoned. I think um, it could hold some record for like the most grease ever, <laughs> you know, that, that ever permeated the air of uh, tiny, per square foot or something like that. <laughs> So when did sure Big Eyes open? Uh, we opened in July of 2012. And, was uh, it a hit right away? Did it take time? Well, we were on this um, this reality show um, that was, you know, one of uh, Bobby Flay's, uh, I think it was his, like, 2000th uh, type of show he did. Uh, this one, they only made six episodes. It's called Three Days to Open. Mm. And it was just, like, a, a fake, soft opening, and... 
oh, you, you know, you only have three days to open. The whole thing was contrived. It wasn't. It wasn't actually real. But it gave us a, a little bit of. A, it, it aired about a month after we opened, and uh, everybody here. You met Eve's uh, inside. You know him and I. We grew up here uh, in this area, and we know a lot of people. So the first month we were really busy from that. And then we were on Food Network, and then that. So I mean, that, that's a pretty, pretty rapid. Yeah, so we were really busy. I mean, we were we were really really busy. Um, our food was a lot cheaper back then too. We were kind of <laughs> giving it away. So um, yeah, we were busy. When we look back at it, we're like, well, you know, we kind of like we're like, man, are we just that much better now? And I'm like, you know what? We were really busy back then for what you know we were doing. We are that much better now, but it it um, it was yeah, it was definitely. Uh, uh, you know, just get in and do it, and you got to line out the door, kind of thing. When we first opened, and uh, was this your first restaurant? Yeah, yeah. So, what what made you decide this? I know you wanted to be a food writer, maybe when you were younger. What made you decide to open up, Big Guys? Uh, you know, it was uh, the this location. You know, it it has some nostalgia to me and a lot of people in the neighborhood and it had been closed down for a while so i didn't like buy parkies it had been turned into a bunch of taco stands and different things and um nothing lasted more than six months here and i was just like why won't someone just turn it back into a hot dog stand and actually care about what they're doing you know and um so i you know it's just the timing was right i had gotten like a severance from the job i was at um and just had a, you know, not that much money. It's kind of, I, I still don't really know how I pulled it off, but we, <laughs> I bought the building and um, opened it up and we opened really quick. We didn't do, we did quite a bit of work, but we got it done really fast and just kind of opened. I don't know what made me do it. I don't know. I wasn't as smart back then. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's, that's part of it though. Idealistic. That kind of fearlessness, like I'm yeah. just going to do this. Mm-hmm. And that, that's youth right there. Yeah, I was twenty eight when I opened it, so I was definitely a lot more bright eyed and <laughs> reckless. Know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're glad you did it? I am absolutely. I'm I'm glad I did it. I don't know what else I would do or could do at this point. Like I, <laughs> I couldn't hold a real job at this point. Like <laughs> I, I think we, I think everyone in this car has reached that point in their <laughs> careers so, where yes. we, we got that one thing we do, and God help us, that's it. Yeah. May, may that one thing never go away. <laughs> Otherwise, we're toast. Um, wow, that, that sausage was delicious. Now, here's the thing. We're inside, and Brendan said, what else can we get you? So we're sitting in the car looking at a burger and a Polish, in addition to the reindeer sausage we just had. Is that the burger? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what, tell us there about the go. burger. So we grind we grind the burger meat fresh. It's... Uh, a blend of uh, chuck and inside round and brisket, and um, it's monstrous. This is a uh, this is the big guy style. So this okay, is this is a Thousand Island uh, dressing. Um, that's this is huge, dude. This is <laughs> this is six ounce burger. Yeah, it's got some girth to it. Yeah, it does. It's, it does. It's not the length. It's the girth it's six, of the burger. Six ninety five. I mean, that's uh, it's a twelve dollar burger in the city mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's Berwyn. We're, we're very competitive on our pricing here. Um, 
So yeah, it's uh, got shoestring fried onions. Got an old school Thousand Island. We use mm-hmm. um, uh, you know chili sauce, mayonnaise, you know Hellman's mayonnaise, and mm-hmm. we chop up celery and red pepper and a bunch of hard boiled eggs and oh my gosh. a couple of this and that to make that Thousand Island. Uh, it's my grandma's old school Thousand Island recipe. Um, and then just thick cut pickles, we cut mm-hmm. them in house. It's about it, you know. And that's the big guy style. So. I really like that it it is kind of an old fashioned burger. There's not, you know, there's no stroach on it. There's no like <laughs> weird trendy stuff on it. We don't have you know our slice of truffle or anything like that. Um, and it's just it's a it's a classic burger. It's got a good mm-hmm. kind of burnt outside or you know a little well charred outside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's just as about as nice as a burger could be in in all the. In all the ways that your grandfather would recognize, except maybe that it's it's a big fat burger. So, when we decided to come to Big Guys, Mike forwarded me the article he wrote about your journey, Brandon. Uh, this has not been an easy slog for you. I, I didn't want to talk about it over the Facebook Live video, yeah. but you've had some significant health challenges. Yeah, yeah, there was there was some rough patches. It was like, um, you know, I had I had rectal cancer. I'm clean now, but. Um, we, we we should stop there. Congratulations! Yeah, thanks. Yeah. That, that's that's <laughs> a, nice. a big freaking deal. <laughs> yeah, my wife thought so. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't even have a chance to, and that's what it happens when you own your own business. Though you don't have a chance to like slow down and and right. like appreciate what just happened. Like, oh, I just. I just beat cancer. It's like, oh, I just beat cancer. I got to get back to work. Yeah, I got to open. Yeah, <laughs> get shit together. Um, so, but it was, I mean, it, I think what I was most proud of is I, I had this crew of guys that have been with me since the beginning, more or less, and I was able to just kind of abandon them for about four months when I just kind of went went into a, you know, a chemo surgery hole. And uh, these guys just uh, did a great a real service to my our customers and to me and they just kept the place going and i i was i was i mean beyond hands off i think um i mean had my sister doing my payroll for me i i really i didn't do anything i just um i stayed home and got better and and the place the place did run itself so that was really cool and michael wrote a pretty great article it was pretty awesome actually um for food at her that was right when uh i think that was when you first kind of it was early on yeah early on in it yeah and um you know again it was a nice article that it wasn't about um something just hey this is this is here and it's new and exciting and you know it's it's the first place to serve you know a burger with a sparkler or whatever it was like <laughs> you know hey this is like when you own a restaurant and if you get sick you're kind of fucked like there's not too much you don't work you don't get paid (laughs) and uh but yeah somehow just like everything this place is like like uh one miracle after the next like that we're you know we were able to get along this this lawn and and through that but um i do like the 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 human stories yeah that i mean i i'm really interested in listening to what you have to say because i know it's hard i mean you live this life. Are you, I'm assuming your days are like 12 hours long. They used to be. <laughs> I'm getting a lot better at taking it easy now. But that probably took because this was your first restaurant. Probably took some time to 
Oh, they were over 12 hours. When I was... Well, we used to be over until 3 in the morning, so... Um, was it was that a good looking crowd after midnight? It was not. No, that, those that Berwyn after hours crowd was not that attractive. It was you know it was funny. We we didn't do that bad of a business. It was just that we had to hire more people. The equipment was breaking down left and right because it was just getting overworked, and we didn't buy you know that heavy duty commercial grade stuff. Right. The the staff was. You know, to getting into extracurriculars, you know, when I wasn't there or whatever, or just whatever. It's just a lot of temptation for um, employees to do bad things that late at night when, you know, you're not able to open and stay till three in the morning. Yeah, exactly so, right. It, things got, we had all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, I had a guy throw himself through a wall once. <laughs> through a wall? Yeah, I don't know. He just lost it. Nobody knew what happened. He just, he was a delivery driver. And he just got back from a delivery and just literally, I got there the next day. There was like a, a man's body, like in like, like a like a roadrunner like cartoon. Yes, yeah. it was <laughs> just stuff like that. Um, so you know, we we scaled back the hours and whatever. You just yeah, you learn how to make things easier and you learn how to work smarter, not harder. And, well, yeah. and that's the way you succeed. Mm-hmm. So some restaurant owners never get to that point. And yeah, nope. and actually getting sick, it was a weird transition because it, I was very hands-on before I was sick, and now I don't actually work in the front of the restaurant all that much. Um, you know, I come in in the morning, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm more of, like, in the office, mm-hmm. you know, and we do a ton of catering, and it's a lot of back and forth with customers and, and setting that up and putting lists together and back office stuff. All right, so two important things here. One, can you pass the roll of paper towels up? <laughs> Two, it's time to think about the Polish sausage. I know. It's been sitting there. Uh-huh. I wasn't going to eat still the Polish. have it snap. <laughs> this okay, is the thing you. that I eat most often here at the restaurant. The Polish, really? It's just, and it's actually, we don't even make the Polish ourselves. Like, that's um, It's a huge that's Polish. That's a Vienna Polish. But it's, I just think we do it the right way. We, we slice it. Um, it's caramelized and deep fry it and uh, you know very classic mm-hmm. Maxwell Street mm-hmm. looking yeah. Polish mm-hmm. so that's our but like I don't know with the thing like when I'm like oh man I'm hungry need something quick from the restaurant uh, the Polish seems to be the my, my go to yep got the snap let's talk a little bit about the food order 99 okay <laughs> <laughs> why I'd be happy to so you did this last year it was your first one Right. For this year's version, what was the, the thought process? You knew it had to be different from the previous year. <clears throat> right, or nobody would buy it. Right. Um, a few places closed. A few places I thought, eh, it's not as good as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but very few of either of those, really. I changed about a third of a, the book entirely. I think there's 35 new places in it mm-hmm. and that partly is because it is just sort of skewed toward what's new and mm-hmm. what's worth checking out um and then i rewrote another like 10 or 15 entries to some degree be- just because i had been there again and i had different opinions about right. it so i thought i should i should update it that way so you know you, about half half the book has changed in some fashion but it's really it's geared toward being un, you know 
what's going on right now? What's exciting right now? It's not, there's no, um, you know, setting this in stone forever. Mm -hmm. You know, restaurants change every day, and it's just kind of foolish to think of them as, which I think Michelin does, to think of them as you can you can have your opinion on them and it's set there forever. Right. Or I think some of the reviewers, I mean, they'll review important restaurants and then not talk about them again for 10 years. Right. And, and chefs change. Things change. All kinds of change. Their mm -hmm. influence on the city mm -hmm. changes if they're a popular place. Sure. All those things change, and I, I like, I mean, the reviews are not always terribly long in the book, but, because sometimes, three sentences, you can kind of say all there is to say. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But I like returning to places and talking about what they're doing to now as opposed to approaching it as, I need to write 1,500 words on this place, and I'm going to craft it once, and it'll be there forever. So. All right, so a couple of things I want to hit on. At the very end of the book, you have an addendum. One of the things I find myself wrestling with a lot is I want I want tacos. There are so damn many taquerias. And the facades all kind of look similar. Yeah. If you stand out, you actually have, at the end of the book, 12 pretty darn good Mexican spots. This is a public service. <laughs> well, you know, what that came out of was at the end of it... You know, I kind of make a master list as I go along of places that I think would would be good, and then as I'm going along, I cut some of them because I got enough of that kind, and they, those are better, whatever. But I always end up with a long list of Mexican places that I like a lot, sure. and it just seemed worth it because it is one of the things I get asked a lot. I mean, the two things I get asked is, "Hey, what's really good right now?" which usually means kind of a more upscale place, mm -hmm. and What's a good Mexican place? Which means, what's the family restaurant? What's the Mexican yep. family restaurant? Not some, you know, fancy downtown thing. That, you know, where the mama is, you know, is cooking the mole in the big pot and somebody's patting out the tortillas by hand. That actually is the one thing I'll say. You know, I always used to look for how do you spot a great Mexican restaurant from the outside? There's no guarantee except... A good clue is if it says Heche Amano, made by hand. If they're making the tortillas by hand inside, again, it's the place that cares enough to do it that way. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with places that ha that use the good no, tortillas. No, but I get, I get where you're going with town. this, yeah. But it's a sign that they care more, just like, you know, Brendan's specials are or any number of things. See, I'm married to a Spanish teacher, and she's... Had none of these tips for me, Michael. So this is, this is good enough. <laughs> Eche Emano. Yeah. So look for that. I mean, that's the one thing I could, I think you can see on the outside. The the reverse of that, I suppose, if it says authentic Mexican food in English, that's a pretty good <laughs> sign that it's not. One one other thing I learned from the food editor ninety nine. You're a pie man. You, we can't I like escape. Pie. You do. I come from Kansas. You know, we make pies out there. It was really one of the things that surprised <laughs> me when I came to Chicago was people didn't make pie here. I love a good pie. And finally, you know, we got a few places. Who's your mama? Um, what's that place out in Hinsdale? It's like Tia Marie or something like that. Uh, that's really good. After Bang Bang and Who's Your Mama, yeah, I kind of lost. Yeah, Bang Bang's great. I mean, I go to Bang Bang for you know on the, on the day that my maid comes and i have to get out and go work somewhere you know bang bang's one of my regular stops for that um what kind of fantasy life do you lead you're eating pies <laughs> you have a maid How do, i want to be you i know i should just like 
go to Bang Bang in my. Uh, Tell de- me more about this American in, dream you're living in my, in my uh, smoking jacket, uh-huh. you know. And so when you talk about taco places, like I've noticed, like um, have you traveled on like in Melrose Park? Um, yeah, on Lake a Street bit. There, where there's there's fifteen on a two block radius, uh-huh. and and what now? What my wife who grew up um, over in that neighborhood explained to me is that each one has one taco. <laughs> that they actually do well, and then the rest of it they kind of just that you know. you know. I think there's there's real truth to that, really. Um, and my friend Titus Rusiti just wrote something where he said you should order. Yeah, the Titus f- is insane. Titus I, I is one. He's he's he has a blog about tacos, and he's been to over one thousand tacos. That's places. why he's insane. I've interviewed yeah. him before. Uh, he is. Like advanced level taco aficionado, yeah, he, I, yeah. It, it's 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 nuts. He's in Vietnam right now, eating thirty six bowls of pho a day. <laughs> so. I mean, the, he's all in. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you're talking to Titus. All sorry. right, so and he said, yeah, order the the taco at the top of the menu because they'll put whatever they really care about at the top of the menu. So H A Imano. H A Imano means made by hand. And taco at the top of the menu. Those are clues. I mean, they, they only go so far. You got to try it. But this is a good starting point, right? It, if, it if I'm making a roadmap you. to good tacos, this <laughs> seems like I'm heading in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another Mexican place you mentioned is Birria Zaragoza. Yes. Uh, it's a good wonderful place. place. Wonderful place. Uh, it's actually in an old diner, which is charming in itself. But they they roast goat uh, and serve it in like super spicy broth with. Um, you can get salsa on the side, make tortillas by hand. I mean, just, and they're so nice. It is just the perfect, the platonic ideal family Mexican restaurant. The platonic ideal. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you know, one thing I wrestle with, I have two children. I can't afford to go up and down Randolph Street. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a, on a big guy's budget 99% of the time. So I... I read the Food Editor 99, and I tend to skim past those places and zero in. Sure. So for people like me uh, who are interested in, you know, we live in the city, but we're doing it on a budget. We've got kids. Money's tight. Holidays. What are some good picks out of the Food Editor? Well, you know, you can always go to Chinatown. There's no ex- – there. I suppose now there are ways to blow a bunch of money in Chinatown, just that there are places Like the hookers. That, yeah, or if you get on one of their vans to the casinos. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, there are places where you can get like a whole Dungeness crab and, you know, that's live in the tank and stuff like that. But mostly Chinatown is a place where everything is seven ninety five unless it's a dollar. And so, I mean, there's just tons of tons – of fun food to play around. One of the best things that ever happened in my life was when my younger son, the picky one, suddenly decided that he loved Chinese food. And it's like our our vistas of possible <laughs> family dining just yep. w- widened suddenly. Uh, so, you know, I mean, but a lot of that, any of these kind of ethnic foods, I'll see these articles all the time where somebody writes, family-friendly places in Chicago. And it's, you know, that... Chilies, or that it's these fairly expensive places yeah. that have like one or two little things that work for your kids. It's right. like you know where the family places and family friendly places are in Chicago. 
head in any direction from downtown <laughs> and stop at an ethnic restaurant and go in with your kids. That's and they will love you, correct. except for the Serbian places because they're all in there, you know, smoking and watching uh, <laughs> soccer. Uh, that's the one exception, I suppose. But uh, otherwise, you know, it could be Mexican, could be you know Arabic, could be. Thai food, whatever it is, they're going to be super friendly. There'll be some simple things that the kids will eat. You know, basically they'll eat bread and fried dough and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, you know, I there when my kids were, when they were babies, it's like I went to some Middle Eastern place and you know they're they're like bringing him yogurt and feeding him at my table and, and then they're like dancing with him to the, the music. You know, I mean they just they love kids and and. It's a shame to me that people don't expose their kids to all these different things that are out there because they're, you know, 98% of the time they're totally friendly and they're totally welcoming. Well, I find it funny that so many people ask me why I don't have a kid's menu. And that's what people are looking for. They're like... You serve hot dogs and burgers. Yes. I go, my... You look at the kid's menu at any restaurant and my menu is the kid's (coughs) menu. So it, it, it makes me laugh, but like... That's what it is. Like when they make those lists, like best place, they're looking for a place that has a kids menu, right. not just like right. common sense. That yes, no. <laughs> if your kid wants white rice and grilled chicken, pretty much everybody can, yeah, can put yeah. that together or whatever. A yeah. warm pita, there, your kid can eat that. <laughs> so pizza is tough to write about in this town. Everyone has an opinion. No one's opinion is necessarily correct. You boldly stepped out on this place, Pizzeria <laughs> Bibu. Bebu. Bebu. Uh, on North Fremont. I knew nothing about this place until I read your review. It's totally hidden. It's in an apartment building kind of behind <gasps> that whole Chi-Chi complex that has like the art, like arc light theater. Over by like North and Clybourne. North and Clybourne, right. Um, and it's a really interesting, funny story. I did, a, I did a piece about it, but the two guys worked together at some restaurants like the Publican and places like that. And the... The chef had been making pizza just for staff meal, for family meals, they call it, um, because he could crank them out before mm-hmm. shift at Publican or Avec or wherever. And everybody likes pizza. So he, you know, but he was also like really serious about following, you know, learning how to do, learning how to do like a three-day rise and, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind of fancy stuff. And also what he put on the pizzas was was kind of fancy too because he would he would just take things that they would have at publican and just smear them on a pizza and bake them and things like that so um you know it's really again kind of the accidental artisanal pizza that way but it's just it's terrific so bibu yeah i think i've i've the last three it's two of the last three pizzas i've ordered at home i think so last year we talked about the first food editor 99 and we went to con barbecue on devon that Indian food paradise, Devon Avenue. This is one of the restaurants that it was included again this year. Any different thoughts? You know, it, it's very steady. It's it's. I used to think that if it wasn't meat at Con Barbecue, they didn't care about it and it could be erratic. But even that's not true anymore. I mean, it's always good. It's one of the, before my son went off to college, it was one of the places he wanted to eat, you know, one last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to find that. Going away to school in uh, Northfield, Minnesota, nope. where Saint Olaf is. I don't think there's there's a lot of Indian food. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, and it, to me, it's just a perfect example of again, just the place that's it's a little distinctive. They do a really good job with the, the grilled meats, uh, and I've just been happy every time I've gone there, which is probably twenty-five times at least. Uh, we can add your voice to people praising Old Irving Brewing. Old Irving Brewing is fantastic. I, I, I'm hearing so many people talk about this place. I mean, but it's like worse than Smoke was when it first opened in terms of, you know, you can be there at 5 o'clock and you're still going to wait in line. Right. And you say that. You're very clear <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, and, it, and you know, that's a, another thing. It's like, God knows... If anybody could get away get away with second rate food, it's it's a good brewery. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you got some burgers, great. And there are two of them in the book actually, Forbidden Root and Old Irving, that both I mean do really creditable food, not too expensive. And that's another thing about the book that I think you know, it, putting it all together, I I kind of get a sense of what the trends are, just seeing sure. what I drift to. I, I see a lot of farm to table. That, absolutely. Um, which again is just a sign of caring more about what you're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. But the one thing I really noticed is nobody opened a really expensive, like four dollar sign in the guidebooks kind of place this year. I mean, it really just isn't one. Even three kind of rare. A few of the hotel restaurants, which mostly haven't been very good, um, were kind of in that range. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are opening relatively modest price places. I mean, look at like. Proxy and Elska, which are two new restaurants that I both that I put both in the top ten. They're both near, you know, West Loop, Randolph Street, somewhere around there. But they're all places that have like, you know, a seven dollar plate of this or that. Right. It's just not. I think chefs are kind of tired of everything that goes into doing that really high end, super, you know, fancy tablecloth, fancy chairs kind of place. Another similarity, I think, between Old Irving and Smoke, both places opened up in areas that are, that are, were starved for cool places to go. They they had the vision to drop their place in an area that didn't have anything like it. It it was, it was. And you never know if that's going to work or it's going to be a complete failure. Um, but in, you know, in that case, I mean, it's very clear there was an audience desperate for something, something good that wasn't just yeah. a bar, and a burger in a bar, and both those places, you know, were rewarded for making that. that yeah, it, it's a leap for sure. Yeah, I mean, smoke is, is still in an area that no one's followed followed smoke because there's nowhere else to go in that area yeah (laughs) i know i'm kind of surprised sometimes i mean i was at hot dogs once and uh well you know it's like hot dog you know it was open and then it closed for a while Mm -hmm. and all through that i thought why doesn't someone else open a place like that why don't they do this thing that that he does of putting you know putting things like brendan does you know cheese and a well-made sauce and all that on the on the uh the hot dog and it just kind of didn't happen right and so i was in there one time and a guy comes in to deliver from like cintas to deliver the rubber mats and he comes in at like 12 10 and there's a line around the building at hot dogs Mm -hmm. and doug is like go away you can't walk in here at 12 10 and he goes out grumbling he's like you know i deliver the hot dog stands all day it's like yeah but none of them have a line around the building (laughs) like this one does all right, so a couple more quick questions uh, as our food is starting to digest. By the way, this was, again, delicious. This is fantastic. Seriously. Um, we talked about kind of the cheaper options in Food Order. If 
someone wanted to just go all out, date night, what's the restaurant in your guy that is a slam dunk? I mean, just charming in every possible way is Oriole. It's also in the West Loop. Uh, Noah Sandoval, who's the chef, worked at uh, Schwa for a while. He worked at... Schwa's in the guide as well. Schwa's, yeah. Uh, the real rock and roll kind of high-end restaurant. Mm-hmm. He um, he also worked at one called Senza that was actually a gluten-free restaurant. So he was doing kind of high-end gluten-free, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a niche. But um, <clears throat> anyway... So he, uh, it's just, it's just sweet. It's tucked away in this hidden little building. You actually walk through a freight ele- elevator to get into it, um, which you know they lock down, so you're not going anywhere. Um, it's a tasting menu. It's just all really nicely done, and they're just so nice. I don't know. I'm just saying nice a lot, but that's what it is. I took some people who, you know, I, I consider civilians. I mean, they like good restaurants but they're not obsessed with them like i am and they were just kind of walking on air as we walked out of there so that says it all right there what's the uh what kind of food are we talking about it's you know it's it's fancy tasting menu food there's going to be precious little dishes of Mm -hmm. lobster here and caviar there and things like that but all really nicely done and you know price wise i mean obviously it's it's expensive but it's half as much as other places in that same vein. So it's it's not super, super expensive. This is why I ask you these ask, questions. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, on um, Car Con Carne, have the police ever pulled up and been like, why is this car so steamed up? <laughs> why are these windows so foggy with all these men? I've had police this- slow down <laughs> when I've been parked on the street. Look in and just keep driving. It's never been enough to, to get them to actually get out of the car, shine a light, ask questions. I assume that day's coming. Uh-huh. I'm just watching these windows fog up and just wondering, you know, how suspicious this looks. I kind of hope it does happen because odds are with it, if it does happen, I'll be recording. Uh-huh. And I think it would be really funny to have on, on the recording. Could so, make some good, some yeah, good radio. Yeah, yeah, some fun audio. All right, so big guys, the address on Roosevelt is? 7021 Roosevelt. 7021. Irwin. Now, I, I want to be emphatically clear as I say this. Yes, I have the owner. Yes, I have the proprietor in the car. Other less scrupulous people would just blow him just because he's in the car and say, oh, yeah, you got to go to this place. No joke. If he weren't here, I'd be saying the same thing. This food is tremendous. I mean, for the burger was magnificent. The reindeer sausage, I'm probably going to talk about for another three weeks. Uh, really wonderful food. So thank you again. You're welcome. Mike. Fooditor 99. Again, it's on Amazon and a bookstore. Roscoe Books in Roscoe Village, yes. Let's hear it for Roscoe Books. The yeah. In, the independent supporting the independent. So you're in like 25% of the bookstores in Chicago, though. You <laughs> can say that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's food media and bookstores both kind of going in the same Wait, way. Before yeah. we do Thank this, God I'm in radio. 